This special mini short rose edition of Pomcast is sponsored by Blacker Yarns. Blacker Yarns specialise in producing pure, natural, ethical yarns, which embrace and enhance all of the unique characteristics of different British breeds. Their ranges include both breed-specific and blended yarns, including a newly launched mohair blend, which is ideal for knitting no-nylon socks. Find out more at blackeryarns.co.uk. Hi and welcome to POMCAST. This is the podcast brought to you by the magazine Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Sophie Scott and joined by me is uh, Lydia Gluck. Hello! I say by me, you're like next to me. I am. I am to your left. Yes, indeed. You're to my right. <laughs> Just to set the scene <laughs> of this recording. Yes, we're back with a little bonus, short rows, as we like to call them, mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Hooray! And uh, how are you? I'm very good. It's sunny. We're sitting in a little pool of sunshine. I know. Here. The sun just came out there. It's glorious. Just, you know, it's just time for us. that with the, <laughs> the beginning of the podcast. I made some really bad coffee this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is pretty bad, actually. Yeah. But uh, the good thing is that it can only get better today. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it's good to start with mediocre coffee. Right. You right? should have right. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite smooth, this coffee. I like the flavour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's no, good. Also, I've been drinking probably too many caffeinated things, so perhaps this is a good way to ease myself into the caffeinated world that is the daytime. Yes, beautiful. (laughs) Well, we hope you are well and happy. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Um, As yes, we have, uh, as you might have guessed from the sponsor message, we have our lovely friend Blacker sponsoring this episode, and we're chatting to Sonia Bajoloska, who is Blacker Yarns brand and marketing manager, and you will have caught, uh, we chatted to her Edinburgh Yarn Festival Mm. two years ago. Yes, yeah, yeah she was one chat. of our mini interviews. Yeah, I'm going to take off my jumper, it's too warm. This wall is too well insulating. <laughs> some real time action there. Some more. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, we're doing this little special edition uh, with Sonia as part of the build up for POMFest. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Heard of it? <laughs> If you haven't heard of it, then get to know. This is, uh, well, it's our big birthday party, isn't it? It is. So Pom Pom uh, is almost five years old. Well, it's just about five years old mm-hmm. now. Um, so we've been making the magazine for five years, which felt like a big landmark for all of us. And we decided to celebrate by not only producing our bumper issue 21, which we'll come back to in a bit. Um, issue 21 being our summer issue mm-hmm. uh, this well, summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't get confused. There's no, like, extra summer issue coming. No, so. no, no. This issue is our summer issue. is summer, yes. Uh, but we also decided to have an actual party. Because we really like parties. If you've ever been to our Christmas party, you'll know that uh, we like a little drink and a chat and a hang. And we like to hang out with uh, other knitting types. Mm-hmm. And non-knitting types, too, of course. But we thought we'd try and gather together our pom-pom buddies in one place. And that's the objective of Pomfest. Indeed. So not only does that mean you guys, the Pomcats, you can come and join in, buy your tickets mm-hmm. uh, from the Pom Pom website. Um, but we've got loads of Pom Pom pals, as in, you know, it's like you're browsing through the pages of Pom Pom, all the wonderful knitters, all the yarn people, all mm-hmm. the interesting designy types as well. Yeah. Have them all in one space. It's like the immersive theatre version of, like, say, you've uh, read a book. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the like immersive theatre version. Oh, wow. Suddenly the characters are brought to life. They're walking around. You can interact with them. Uh, except even better because you can buy yarn. Right. Yes. 
any situation. And eat food. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe if you haven't been following all the gossip so far about Pomfest, one thing that we've got coming up is um, guest speakers. Ooh. And I wrote them all down, so I remember them this episode. Uh, so we've got Bristol Ivy, <gasps> Thea Coleman, <gasps> Emily Foden, <gasps> Vera Valmaki, Julia Farber. No way. Olga Baraya Kefilian, uh-huh. uh, Clara Parks, what? and Anna Maltz. Hooray! So these guys will be doing talks throughout the Friday and Saturday of Pomfest, mm-hmm. uh, which is the 14th and 15th of July. Did you not know? Yes, very good. Yeah, so um, if you are interested in knitting and want to be in London or are already in London, we'd love to have you along. Um, what else do we have to tell the people? Oh, Pomcast Live. Oh, Pomcast Live, because yeah. Pomfest within that, so there's a party within the party, Layers Friday party. night. Layers of party. <laughs> Delicious onion of party. <laughs> we have Pomcast Live, which is a live version of the Pomcast. Unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in the daytimes on Friday and Saturday, we'll have the marketplace open and all the Pomfest activities we just discussed. And then in the evening, we'll have the Pomcast Live, in which Sophie and I will be doing a podcast but live. Did you ever think that when we <laughs> said, let's make a podcast, that one day we'd be doing a live podcast? No, I didn't. Nope. Um, yeah, so it's very exciting. We're going to bring in all sorts of, again, more Pomcast and Pomfest and Pom Pom Pals, including the elusive Eli. Yes. The man who makes us sound good. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you may have remembered from last episode, we did ask for your content, hot content that we need for Pomcast Live. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to our Halloween special from last year, uh, Eli read out your knitting disaster stories, and we <laughs> thought they were so good, and Eli loved doing it as well, so... He's quite a theatrical character. Oh, indeed. So, um, yes, we do want you to send more of those, because then you can get them read out as part of Pomcast Live. How cool would that be? I think that would be very cool. Yes. And we'd like you to... How do you send them? We'd like you to send them via uh, the email address, which is podcast at pompommag.com. And of course, our Pomcast Live is sponsored by Fig Tree Yarns. Oh, smashing. Who we're very happy to have on board. They have uh, worked with us in the past and we love the yarns that they sell. Mm-hmm. All the way up in Jersey, but also online. Down in Jersey. Down in Jersey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which way is north? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we are facing... Uh, north right now and therefore anyway it doesn't matter alright my brain hurts so I think people got the idea that we're sat left and right on each other I think we need to start (laughs) we need like a a sort of little map with us labelled on it so that people can uh, situate us in space time right (laughs) anyway we'll work on that so yeah (laughs) obviously uh, Palm Fest is well a couple months away still Mm mhm uh, and we hear you cry, but we want to do Pomfest things now. And don't worry, we have a knit along. Hooray! Yay! Um, so you can, of course, join in and post the project and on the Ravelry. Knit group. along. Knit along. Knit things as well as talk about knitting things with us and win prizes, as always. The important thing, I think, is the uh, this knit along is big. It's a yep. big old knit along. It's a bumper knit along. Bumper knit along, just like the issue 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got sponsors for this knit along. So that's uh, thank you to Coop Nets, Julie Asselin, Kettle Yanko, Labianemi, and of course the lovely John Arben. So all of those we can reveal in a sneaky peeky, an audio mm. sneaky peeky, yes. uh, will be at Pomfest. Yes, as vendors, Ooh. not just as cool cats hanging out. I mean, they'll uh, do a bit of that anyway. Yes. yes. I like how you kept going with the ethereal. <laughs> I'm just creating like a soundscape. We need to have that in the background. We're talking about Pomfest the whole time. Like, ah. Just to kind of, ah, ooh. 
or just maybe like we can get Eli to put in the sound of people like talking and clinking glasses in the background like a kind of cocktail party. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, although we've already told them that we're sitting down. We're sitting down at a party. Right. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, thanks, of course, to our knit along sponsors as well. And we really hope that you guys will join in, whether or not you're able to attend Pomfest. And if you can't attend Pomfest, uh, we'll miss you, of course, but we hope to see you online and your projects there too. Thanks to Loop of London for sponsoring Pomfest. Indeed. We couldn't do it without them. exciting things going on. We, uh, we haven't mentioned like the biggest news as well, which is issue 21. Indeed, which is not only big in news form, but is big in that it is bigger than yes. <laughs> normal issues of Pom Pom. We've got extra patterns for y'all. Indeed, and also uh, not to be confused with the issue one reboot that's mm -hmm. also come out, because what's better than one Pom Pom? Two Pom Poms! <laughs> Yeah, so um, hopefully you guys have seen the previews for both of those things. As mm -hmm. we mentioned in the last podcast, we've revamped issue one, reshot it, added an extra pattern, uh, updated it all, and we're reprinting it for your viewing and knitting pleasure. And your library pleasure, so you can see all the poms lined up very nicely. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but of course, issue 21 yeah. is also coming out very soon um, with extra patterns and extra all sorts pom. of extra pom, all sorts of, uh, well, all the usual things you'd expect from pom pom, yeah. gorgeous articles, comics and so on. A recipe, 50% mm -hmm. uh, more pom, I think I've just done the maths. Yes. <laughs> so that's not bad going, eh? Yeah, we should have that on the cover, 50% yeah. more, oh, more added pom. Uh, and also within the same vein of saying what's better than one pom pom, two pom poms, issue 21 has two covers, so don't get confused. The it same does. thing, but two different colours. Yep, we've got, gone ahead and done two different... The content side's exactly the same. They're just uh, two different colours with shiny foil for the oh logo boy. on the front. That's right. We went all out for this one. Um, uh, but don't panic. It um, will be shipping to you guys probably in a couple of weeks' time. Mm -hmm. Or a week or so from when this podcast comes out. So you can kind of keep an eye on social media. In the meantime, you know, add things to your queue. Maybe plan some yarns. And then uh, copies will be winging their way to you guys uh, before you know it. Hooray! Which one are you excited about most? In uh, Which pattern? Well, I've been planning to knit Rachel Coopy's socks. Oh, yes. Uh, Festoon, mm -hmm. which uh, actually feature some of my favourite photographs from the issue with sort of legs sticking up in the air. Oh, yeah. They're actually Megan's feet. <laughs> they are, actually, yeah. Little uh, secrets of tricks of the trade there. <laughs> Um, Megan has excellent uh, like dancers feet and legs so we drafted her in uh, to stick her legs in the air I say drafted her in obviously she was there anyway right, right. For a shoot. <laughs> um, yeah I really love the I love the way Rachel Coopy often like mirrors patterns on her mm. socks so that um, for each sock there's kind of uh, like ribbing on the inside leg but like a really beautiful kind of intricate cable on the outside leg yes. so you get maximum visual impact for people going, hey, did you make those? But also you get a little bit of like, you know, just plain ribbing every round just to kind of tick it over a little quicker. I like it. Mm. How about you? What's your fave? I'm or really your first to knit? Well, I'm really excited about Soiree, which is by Emily Foden of Viola. And, you know, no big surprise there. It uses Viola yarns as well. 
kind of cropped, boxy, it's got this amazing like cable detail that comes, mm -hmm. you know, I think the, the armpit is a neglected uh, part of the designer's, uh, you know, uh, arsenal <laughs> when it comes to design. You know, uh, but she's she's tapped into that resource. She has, uh, indeed. So all the texture kind of goes from the bottom of the hem all the way up the armpit and... Uh, underneath the, the arm. arm yeah. Underneath the arm, yeah. So... Um, it is gorgeous. I would also like to make that one. And I love uh, Emily's yarn and the fact that it's two different strands held held double the mohair and the polar. Oh, yes. That's oh, pretty boy. exciting. Uh, so, yeah, if you want your issue of 21 slash issue one, um, go to the Pom Pom website, which is pompommag.com. And you can forward slash shop, and you're right there. You don't need to do any searching. <laughs> okay, so now we can move on to our interview that we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. We, or Sophie, yes. spoke to uh, Sonia Bajalovska, who is the Blacker Yarns brand and marketing manager, is also a cool dude who uh, we're pals with from way back in the knitting world. We used to work at Loop together, and she worked with us at Pom Pom for a a little while before she went to Blacker, which was awesome. Um, and you guys will hear exactly how awesome she is uh, right now. Joining us via Skype, it's uh, Sonia Bajulawiska. I've said your surname right, haven't I? Bajalovska, but Bajalovska's, oh, good... yeah, good, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> good always, jo always joy of doing a podcast and getting everyone's surname correct. But yes, yeah, Sonia of Blacker Yarns is joining us this morning. Hello, Sonia. Hello, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I feel like we've uh, we've had you on the podcast uh, in many forms as uh, Blacker have been lovely sponsors of the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I spoke to you, it must have been two years ago in Edinburgh. We had uh, yeah. a little chat with you then. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so you're casting your mind back to the... <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like a while ago, doesn't it? Things sort of... Time zooms by everyone. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now we have you in, uh, I guess, uh, an official capacity now on the podcast mm -hmm. again. Um, so welcome. I guess my first uh, query is... Uh, Tell us about Blacker Yarns that you're you're you work with, you're involved with. Uh, how did it start, and what's your your role in Blacker Yarns? Yeah, of course. Um, so Blacker Yarns is the um, like retail yarn brand of the Mill Natural Fiber Company, and the Mill is based in Launceston in Cornwall, down in the south of England, and. The mill itself has been going for 11 years and then I think Blacker Yarns just sort of started quite slowly really. Um, Sue sort of bought a couple rare breed fibres and then one thing led to another and I think she sort of had a yarn brand then um, but I think it was quite an organic process and Blacker Yarns has been going for about six years. Um. And then I started about three years ago. And I think before I started, it was a sort of smaller operation and it was really sort of specializing in single breed British breeds. And so everything from kind of something really soft and luxurious like Blueface Leicester to like Herdwick and North Ronaldsey and all of those sturdier fibers. I think Sue was just interested in 
trying all of them and seeing sort of how they all would spin up. And that is what the mill itself specializes in as well. Um, The natural fiber company, the mill, is one of the few mills that actually has a scouring plant. So we wash fiber as well. So that does give us a lot more flexibility with using sort of weird and wonderful British breeds. Sue is Sue Blacker of yes. Blacker Yarns. Yeah, people exactly. do not know. <laughs> yes, so Sue is Sue Blacker of Blacker Yarns. And yeah, now but now we know her as Sue. Is, we're all, we're yeah. all mates now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Should have said that. <laughs> um, but people do often ask if it's like a family business as well, which so I think it shows quite often people like, are you Sue's daughter? And I have to be like, no. <laughs> But we are quite, we're a very small company. I think there's only sort of 20 of us, including the people who work in the mill. Mm. So it's sort of a family style business, if you will, although no one's actually related. (laughs) Yeah, like partners in yarn sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. The mill is actually in the same building as sort of my office. So it's quite nice being able to go out there and have a bit of a wander around and see what new things are being dyed or spun. Um, So I definitely always make sure to kind of go over to the mill, at least for a kind of 10 minute leg stretch. So Uh, it's really nice that the the mill, I had no idea the mill was so intrinsically linked to where you are, like so close, like that really kind of, I suppose, reinforces that idea of like a small company you're working on it you know in the location yeah definitely and I think really because um like we all work in one office so all the people who kind of work on spinning for other customers and Mm -hmm. then like me and now um, our new employee, who I'll talk about in a second, Mm. Um, we both work in the same office. So there is a lot of kind of, you know, inspiration in both directions, shall we say. So it's just nice to see what other people are doing as well as what we're doing. Mm. So, yeah, it is lovely. And it's nice going out there and actually getting to see all of the blacker yarns while they're being spun because... It just sort of brings it home to you what all the kind of what all the other aspects of the job are about. So it's nice being that linked to the kind of spinning process and kind of where the yarn comes from and suppliers. So farmers and small producers will come and drop off their fiber some days. So then we also weigh all that in and have a chat to them. So it's nice actually meeting the people who produce the fiber which then, you know, I kind of create blends and pick shades and knit kind of designs for. So it's nice having that connection with every step of the process. It sounds perfectly idyllic, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I'm very lucky. It is it is wonderful. Um, and the other exciting thing which has happened recently mm. is that we've actually just hired a new employee, which is wonderful. So um, that's Katie Green, who many of your lovely listeners will know from uh, her comics in Pom Pom. Katie Green is our sort of resident uh, comic slash graphic, graphic uh, novelist. And uh, for issue 21, uh, our most recent anniversary issue, mm-hmm. um, She's drawn a wonderful, a beautiful illustration um, all about the process of your new yarn, Samite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we should chat about that for a little bit. That's quite a good link. What was that? How did that come about? And how was Blacker involved uh, with that? 
that drawing process? Yeah, um, I know Katie kind of contacted me. I've known her for a while from like, we go to the same knitting group occasionally. Mm. Um, And so I've known her for a while and just really appreciate her kind of, yeah, her sort of vision. And she's got such a unique style. Um, So she sort of said that she was interested in um, coming to the mill and writing a graphic novel about, sort of or not a novel an article of course mm. yeah, um, it's a weird about, way to phrase it up it's like a story yeah. but it's like a comic but yeah yeah exactly it needs a real like I don't know what the official term is I'm sure Katie, yeah. <laughs> Katie does, but yeah a graphic article does that yeah. make sense yeah yeah uh, <laughs> <A graphical>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah and um So she mentioned to me that she'd like to come and visit the mill and kind of write slash draw something about Mm. it. And I, of course, thought it was a wonderful idea um, just because it is so visual. It's quite a technical process. Um, So I think having some pictures to kind of illustrate it all just works perfectly. Um, But then again, because it is such a technical process, when Katie came, we were just um, actually making Samite. So it was actually going through the mill at that time. Um, And just because there is such a lot going on at the mill, we have a scouring plant, we can do woolen and worsted, and we do all our dyeing. So I think Samite then just became a really nice way of telling that story and having like a narrative running through it um and Katie sort of took the concept of Samite uh the word itself is like precious silken cloth that they used to have during medieval sort of Europe Mm. so um and it was always like sort of jacquard woven almost so it had these really elaborate patterns on it And so Katie kind of went and researched sort of medieval Samite and then created this comic that has all of these kind of organic flowing lines that really echoes the original kind of medieval fabric. So Mm. it's such a beautiful, a beautiful comic. It is. I love there's also the incorporation of uh, the sort of the cogs of the machinery sort of becomes like the motifs on some of the the edgings of the drawing it, it's yeah it's pretty special <laughs> it is definitely no I know because you sort of she came and I gave her a tour of the mill and we had a chat and then you just kind of wait and see what comes back and it just yeah it's so inspired the way mm. that it is like you said it's all organic it's sort of a little bit steampunk almost with all of that right. like, machinery in there um yeah no it's delightful and she has given us the um her original kind of artwork so we need to get some frames and find a nice place to put it in the office yeah definitely wonderful all right well I feel like we need to like talk more about yarn now because uh, that (laughs) is you know the clues in the title with blacker yarns there um I think one of the you mentioned earlier one of the like uh special uh, things about blackers you do focus on breed specific yarns mm-hmm. uh, so why do you think it's so important you know I think it's a term that's used a lot now in knitting and sort of with by knitters and people choosing yarns what why do you think it's so important to have uh you know this this style of breed specific yarns and for pe- knitters to think about the breed used for a project 
Yeah, of course. Um, so I think, like you said, it is something that seems to be kind of really growing in the last couple years in the knitting community. Um, before I started working at Blackie Yarns, I um, worked at Loop Knitting with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> exactly. So at Loop, they have lots of like really, really beautiful luxury yarns. And it's such a gorgeous shop. Um, but I actually sort of, I never really thought about um, like the process that the yarn goes through before it arrived in my hands, if that makes sense. Mm. Like all of the sort of time and thought that I put into knitting and crafting in general was always like my process with the yarn. Um, Cause of course yarn is just a raw material if you're going to, and then you need to either knit it or crochet or weave and then create a finished garment. And I think all of my kind of crafting thinking was based around my process and what I transformed it in into so it was quite a revelation to then get a job as a woolen mill and realize that actually there's this whole process to even create the yarn in the beginning um and that takes just as long uh I'm sure hand spinners will be familiar with it but it was just amazing to see that actually the yarn is not like a raw material it's actually already a finished product Hmm. Um, so I think that was definitely kind of a starting point for me. And then also just seeing all the different sheep breeds, because before I got this job, I thought there were only kind of Merinos, BFLs, and then Shetlands. And it just hadn't even occurred to me that there might be other sheep in the world. Um, so it was amazing to then get this job at Blacker and be confronted with like a wall of 50, 60 different British breeds. So it was definitely in at the deep end, shall we say. <laughs> um, but I think really the thing that's amazing about them is every single one has a slightly different feel and a different kind of is fit for a different purpose and a different history like they all come from very specific regions in the UK um I always think sort of breed specific yarn is similar to like heirloom vegetables oh, right. so yeah. <laughs> you can either have your kind of standard cherry tomato or there are all those wonderful different varieties of tomato and some of them are green and some kind of have those stripes on them and look a bit like a zebra. And I think breed specific yarn is quite similar. Um, and to my mind, the kind of that movement is linked to sort of people wanting to shop at veg markets again. Um Oh yeah, totally. It's all like the slow food movement, I think. Yes. Yeah, you know, slow fashion, it all sort of, they all kind of link together in the same kind of ethos, don't they? So, Yeah, exactly. And I think sort of like our society uh, has changed so much in the last half of the 20th century and everything has become a lot more sort of global and mass produced. And that really before sort of the 60s, 50s, when acrylics started coming in, people were used to working with like a proper woolly wool mm. and then 
it just all became the whole narrative became about softness and softness is great don't get me wrong but it's not like the only sort of thing out there I'd say and so it's nice just seeing both with food and with fiber it's nice seeing people kind of go hang on a minute like maybe we liked some of that stuff that we've just been ignoring and kind of try and reclaim some of it as well Mm. It's a really nice analogy. I'll use the tomato analogy, I think, next time I'm convincing <laughs> someone about wool. <laughs> yeah, you know, and every woolly wool is different. Um, so some breeds like Castle Milk, Moorit, Norfolk Horn and Southdown, they've got quite short kind of staples, um, but they're really, really bouncy. There's a lot of um, like spring in mm. their fibre. So they're just amazing for kind of cabling or something that you really want the texture to pop for. Um, and then there are also lots of breeds like Teeswater, Wensleydale, Blue-Faced Leicester, Border Leicester, which have much, much longer fibres. And they almost look a bit like Rastafarians. If you Google a Wensleydale, they have like these big dreadlocks. They're really, really fab looking. Um And those fibers are really, really strong. So they're great for socks um, and they really don't pill very much. But they also have this beautiful sheen, like silk almost. Um, And that those are the sheep breeds which we've put in Tamar, which is Mm -hmm. one of our kind of one of our best selling yarns. Um, And then there's also a lot of breeds like Herdwick and North Ronaldsey and Borroway, which I personally wouldn't feel feel like I wanted to wear next to my skin. They're definitely a much more rustic sheep, but the colour in their fleece is just really gorgeous, and they've got this real kind of wiry sort of texture to them. And I think for weaving or a wall hanging or something, that would be absolutely glorious because it just has that real visual kind of richness to it. So there is such a mountain of different breeds out there and they all are suited to a different purpose yeah um so yeah yeah. I was going to ask like what tips did you have for someone exploring this but I feel like you've given that's like your sort of narrow it down to what you want to sort of what qualities you want from the the fleece almost and then yeah match it to the sheep almost (laughs) yeah exactly and I think really kind of thinking about what kind of garment you want so if you want something that's going to be good for babies or that's going to be incredibly cozy then obviously merino or blue face lester or an alpaca is the best option but if you want something that is gonna really kind of wear well or last a long time then looking for one of those british breeds probably would be a great option um We've got a yarn which is 50% mohair and 50% um, British breeds, either Manx or Hebridean. And that just creates the most, the strongest socks I've, like the strongest sock yarn I've ever used. Uh, And it's got no nylon in it, but you don't need nylon unless you're pairing it with a really, really soft wool. So if you have a wool that's a bit hardier to start with, then that'll be even stronger than merino with nylon. 
Well, that's what everyone wants, long-lasting socks. So exactly. Good. So go check out the mohair blends. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the other thing I think that I really love about those British breeds, and I think probably what made me kind of fall in love with them, is they just look good for a really long time afterwards. Um, they hold their block really well, so they have a lot of memory. Um, so there's kind of there are a few things as sad as like knitting a really lovely lace shawl and you've spent all that time getting the yarn overs and the decreases in the right place and you block it and you pin it out and it looks amazing on the blocking needles and then when you lift it off the blocking needles you can just kind of see it shrinking back in on itself even before you've worn it um and if you were to knit it in something like a shetland um then it would really kind of hold its shape much longer and it would just sort of keep looking just as beautiful as it did when it came off the blocking needles. So I think it's about kind of durability rather than softness hmm. is what I would say the trade-off is. Awesome. Well, I was thinking about more about, uh, you've mentioned some of the yarn brands that you have, the, hmm. the Lioness and the Tamar and also the new Samite silk blend. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's always um, like a story behind the colours and how the yarn comes together. Like uh, you were saying about the Samite with the the whole um, uh, sort of the jacquard-inspired fabrics and the colours are also inspired by the pre-Raphaelite arts and craft movement. Yeah. Um, so maybe if you could talk a little bit more about the inspiration and the process of how these come together, like is it the, the colours first or is it more like fibre driven or is, is it just that sort of the theme like, oh, yes, we'll go with Cornish rivers this time? Or... <laughs> yeah, um, it's definitely I think telling stories is sort of my favourite part about the job, um, just because. There's so much yarn in the world right. <laughs> and nobody really needs to buy any more yarn if we're all honest with ourselves. So I think it's just about trying to make something that really is kind of special enough to be added, if that makes sense. And it also just it makes my job more enjoyable to then be able to sort of pour a little bit of my kind of interest and creative process into the yarn um, generally we always start with the fiber and then the story kind of grows organically next to it so with Leoness that came about from a desire to see a woolen linen blend like I'd never knitted with one before and I love linen but I find it quite difficult to sort of work with on my hands and my gauge is usually a little bit wiggly when I'm knitting with a pure linen. So, um, and also, you know, we live in the UK and it's not that warm. So I thought a kind of wool linen blend would just be a really interesting yarn. And I hadn't seen one before. So that was kind of the inspiration for that. And then Sue and I went off on a kind of journey with the colours and things and the names. And then the same for Tamar. Um, I wanted to create a yarn which had all those British breeds in it, but was maybe a bit more approachable for people who were just about to try sort of working with British breeds for the first time. So Tamar is quite soft and it's got that gorgeous luster and it was really durable. 
Um, but the luster kind of reminded me of a river. So then we went down the, the Cornish Rivers Road, as you said, and all the colours are quite cool and quite blue and quite calm and sort of based on the landscape around us in Cornwall. And then with Samite, um, again, it came about from wanting to see how a wool and silk blend would knit up if it was woolen spun as opposed to being worsted spun. So the way that I find easiest to think about it is it's a difference in how the fiber is prepared before it gets spun. So I think a lot of hand spinners will be more familiar with the difference. Um, a woolen spun yarn is kind of like a massive 80s back comb. So it's like a big beehive. So what happens is the fiber goes in two different directions and really gets teased out um, before it's spun. So it's got a lot of air in there. It's really good and sticky for color work. Um, and it's more pill resistant. But equally, it's a little bit matter. So there's not so much shine and there's not so much drape. Um yeah, it always just makes me think of Patsy from Ab Fab with that big kind of matte beehive. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and then... I won't forget the difference now with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just helpful to have like an analogy, isn't it? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Less technical jargon. You know, most knitters are women. We all have hair. So that's a little bit More easy. 90s comedy references, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So then, following the 90s comedy reference, I'd say Worsted Spun Yarn is like Rachel from Friends. Right. So, like, <laughs> really sleek and kind of shiny and like perfectly coiffed and all the hairs going in the same direction. So that makes it much stronger and it makes it much drapier. Um, and it makes it much softer, but it also means that it is a little bit more prone to pilling because mm. if all the fibers are going in the same direction, it's much easier for one to just kind of pop out right. and get onto the surface. Um, mm. So a lot of silk blends, I love using silk blends. I think they're so gorgeous and I just love the kind of shine on them and the drape. Um, but most of them are worsted spun as opposed to being woolen spun. So I've found that they do tend to pill a little bit. So I just wanted to create one that was woolen spun just out of curiosity, really, to see what it would be like. Um, so we did a little trial batch and it was gorgeous. So <laughs> then we thought we'd kind of go with it a bit further and for blacker yarns, uh, the other thing that we kind of, so we use a lot of British breeds, but then we're also very interested in making sure that we're kind of challenging ourselves to the highest sort of sustainability and animal welfare um, that we possibly can. Um, so we did a long, hard look for the right kind of silk, because in both mulberry and tussa silk production, the um, silk pupae are actually kind of killed in the, as part of the process. And it's not very nice. They're usually kind of boiled to death or they get gassed with chlorine gas. So um, it was very important for Sue and I and for the Black Yarns brand 
that we found some silk that was ethical, where they were allowed to kind of nibble their way out of the cocoons and then go off and, you know, live their silk, live their silk moth lives, <laughs> go about their business, nibble mulberry trees and what have you. <laughs> um, so we found some Ahimsa silk, which is peace silk. Um, and so they are allowed to kind of eat their way out of the cocoons. Um, and then we buy it in the like least processed state possible. Uh, so it comes to us in the cocoon still. So they look like, um, they kind of look like little cotton pads almost. They're like little balls of silk. And that's why, um, the Samite has got that really kind of textured quality to it. So it has those nubs of silk still. And that's just because the woolen spun process that we've put it through hasn't quite broken up all of those little balls. Um, so the silk is distributed, but there are some bits where it's still kind of, it's made little lumps, which not the most <laughs> technical term <laughs> of silk. Um, but Perfect yeah, analogy. I just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Stu always has all these like really wonderful technical terms for everything. And I'm like, oh, it's a little lump. <laughs> it's a beehive. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just think that that kind of quality is something really special in the yarn. And I love the way that it knits up because it does have that kind of rich texture um, before working at Blacker, I used to use a lot of hand dyed yarns. Um, and I still do when I'm knitting for myself, but I think what I'm sort of interested in with Blacker yarns is about trying to create yarn, which has been produced in a mill with machines, but it has the same kind of richness of quality at the end that a hand dyed yarn does so it has that same kind of textural interest or you know maybe we've used like a gray fiber as opposed to a pure white fiber so there's that kind of depth of color going on so it's about trying to do something slightly different I guess wonderful and you you guys do it very well there's a whole wealth of yarn to explore uh from blacker which oh, thank you. Very nice. It's all, all good news for us. And I, I like the the marketing uh, person. Well, no one really needs more yarn, but sure, like, <laughs> if you're going to buy it, buy it from us, you know. Yeah, you know, I think if you're going to buy yarn, then buy yarn with a bit of soul behind it and with a right. story behind it and the kind of, yeah, people have loved creating, I guess. <laughs> good. Well, yeah, well, you can tell that you're, uh, you know, You've got the the love behind it for this uh, for all this wool, so that's that's always lovely to hear. Mm -hmm. um, cool. Well, I wanted to ask, um, sort of, have you got anything on the needles? Because I hear you're coming down to visit, uh, spend the evening with us for Pomfest. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Have you got anything pom pom on the needles that you're going to be uh, doing? I don't yet, but I definitely, that's one of my tasks for this weekend is I'm going to have a little look and browse all of your wonderful patterns. I definitely have a lot of pom-pom patterns in my wardrobe, but I think it's, you know, it's a special event, so I should make something new. So I'll have to have a little look and see what takes my fancy. Awesome. Well, okay, I'm going to move on to one of the classic questions then, which I think mm -hmm. is going to be pretty difficult for you. Uh, and I know you're a fan of the Pomcast, so I don't need to explain it, but it's uh, Desert Island Yarn. 
Yeah, it is. I know this. I mean, this and the spirit animal question have been causing me sleepless nights. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. It is really tricky to pick. I probably would. um, I mean, I guess what I would say in this true spirit of kind of inquiry is I would have to do some research on where the desert island was and then depending on where it was located (laughs) kind of either go for Leoness which is our kind of lighter summer blend so if it's a tropical island then that or if it's somewhere kind of much colder then maybe classic which is our like really durable one but also if I were to pick a yarn that wasn't one of our yarns I'd go for Spindrift, which is um, by Jameson's, and that's like a traditional Shetland yarn. All the fibre comes from the Shetland Islands, and it is all produced, dyed and spun on Shetland, and they just have the most wonderful range of colours, so... Maybe I mean, yeah, it's like that. over 150, I think, isn't it? So Yeah, exactly. So you'd never get bored of knitting with that, with so many shades. <laughs> fantastic all right and then do you uh, have you come to a conclusion with the spirit animal with the spirit animal it was super tough <laughs> I had to I asked my friends to help because you know in times like that friends always know the answer um but I watch a lot of kind of David Attenborough we're a big fan of the nature documentaries in our house and um Jackson my partner he suggested that I was like a bowerbird <laughs> oh interesting are you familiar with the bowerbird do they collect they collect lots of bits don't they yeah exactly so they kind of um they are just like they go around and they gather up lots of exciting shiny objects Mm. and then they sort of spend hours like placing them just so and going off and getting something else and adding it to the pile and yeah so I'll be a bowerbird. <laughs> That's good. I like you've got the uh, the legitimacy of a David Attenborough research uh, uh, angle with that as well. Exactly. I have I have seen many an animal in my time, and apparently that was the one I was most similar to. That's fantastic. It is the male bowerbird that goes around and collects stuff. But you know, right. it's the 21st century. Bit of gender fluidity is fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Well, it's been wonderful hearing more about Blacker and and chatting to you because yes, it does seem seem so long ago that we actually worked together. So it's always nice to uh, to catch up. Yeah. Um, and uh, where should people go if they want to find out more about Blacker? Yeah, of course. So our website is www.blackeryarns.co.uk, and then we're also on Facebook as Blacker Yarns and Designs, and we're on Twitter as Blacker Yarns, and then Instagram, which is my fave, is uh, Blacker Yarns, and I manage the Instagram account. And then we also have a Ravelry group, which is, again is Blacker Yarns. Fantastic, nice and simple. Um, so, thank you so much again, Sonia. That's all right. Not at all. Thanks for asking me. I'm chuffed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, great to have you as part of the Pomcast. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too, my dear. And we'll see you at Pomcast. Yeah, for sure. Bye. Bye. Well, it was lovely to catch up with Sonia. 
great to hear about Blacker, what's going on, what they've got planned, and all about the Samite, which funnily enough, what have we got here? Um, I'm holding up a swatch, you, you can't, can't hear see it. That, but yeah. <laughs> there it is, that's me clapping with the swatch. <laughs> um, yeah, as you heard Sonia talk about in the interview, um, their new yarn, which is the Samite Silk Blend. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a little, uh, little bits for review, which is quite nice. It's very nice. Yeah, so um, just a few more facts, just to remind you from the interview. We've got 30% BFL, uh, Blueface Luster, don't you know? 40% mm -hmm. uh, Shetland, 20% Silk, and now that Silk is cruelty-free, you know? And 10% uh, fibre from Sue's Gotland Flock. So uh, Sophie knit this lovely swatch here, this lovely lace swatch. What size needles did you use? Sophie? I went well. I went quite big. I went for a four point five. Nice. So recommended. It's uh, sort of two and a quarter up to four and a half. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go big. Why not? Yeah. And because it is uh, lace, it's a, a three ply lace weight. Mm. Um, you know, I went for a little bit of lace. And I must say, I love how this yarn holds its shape. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So not only when you're knitting with it, it kind of has this. Kind of, it's crunchy, yeah. Mm. It has this real character with the the silk that kind of makes it sort of raw with its structure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, crunchy is the best way to say it. It's kind of like it does have this lovely, uh, crumbly almost texture to mm. it when you're knitting it. I love that. Um, so yeah, not only when you're knitting with it, it sort of keeps its shape. But I've now blocked this, and I was really interested to see how it blocks because sometimes with the silk content with yarn, it just kind of like. Kind of right, yeah. You, you yeah, get yeah. it out of the water, and it's just like, yeah, <laughs> no more for this world. But you know, it had a little bit of grit. Yeah. And um, now that it's blocked, it's yeah, it's got that that memory which I really like. It's really held the shape really nicely. Yeah, it's got the same kind of crunchiness and shape holdy qualities that of the Shetland, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's yeah that you can really feel the kind of silk softening the whole thing, and it's got mm. that nice little sheen and the lovely little knobs. Oh, I love the nubs, yeah. With the mm. so with the the texture of the fibers, like the Gotland and the Shetland, you get you do get like a heatheriness to this. Mm. There's sort of like a real kind of uh, I keep wanting to say like yeah, the crunch and the grit. It's, it's yeah. something. It's not like a a feeble soft, and not but not any ways this unpleasant. Uh, the kind of the character of the yarn that gives it this texture. I'm just gonna you're feeling it. I'm like picking it up again, mm. but you do get this. Um, yeah, oh god, I'm really excited about this yarn. <laughs> <laughs> it is really gorgeous. Um, so is this the undyed? Uh, no, one? there are two undyed ones, mm. but this is the colour Frozen Bud, uh, mm. which is kind of like a lovely soft grey, but mm. there are some gorgeous undyed ones in the range. Mm -hmm. um, but the colours, which is interesting, um, are based on pre-Raphaelite arts and craft movement. Ooh. So uh, all the names are taken from 19th century poetry, and they are lofty. some... Yeah, Almost as lofty as this oh. year. <laughs> I must say that I did like the name. So we've got um, we got some other colours here that mm -hmm. we had a look at. There's uh, there's purple, which is called Bursting Figs. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And what about this? So that one we've got a nice like sagey green that's uh, called Tide of Dreams. Oh, I love it. And so poetic. Poetic, exactly. Uh, there was a lovely <laughs> yellow called Drowsy Flowers. Um, it was a fiery dew. I spelt dew wrong, but I know I'm angry. <laughs> Which is uh, was like a very pink, like a pink, mm -hmm. but I, you know, the hot pink I usually like. And uh, Peacock's Neck, which Ooh, was a, a great good. kind of rich, well, I mean, it's a Peacock's yeah, Neck, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, like a vivid teeny blue. Gorgeous. I saw some Peacocks recently. Oh yeah? yeah. How were the next? Holland Park. Uh, vivid. A lot like uh, some Samite yarn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think something, I see it being used for like 
because of the structure, I think you could use it for a top, like a summery top, but oh, you wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it being too floppy. Mm. Um, but it has that lightness and the sort of the structure within the yarn to kind of give it a little bit of, a, you know, toothiness. Mm. I think I'd, I'd really like like a kind of summer cardi mm. or something. Or actually, you know what? I bet it would work really well held double with something for soiree. Because ooh. it would hold the cables really good, yeah. wouldn't it? And also I can imagine like using this for like, if you did use it, you know, Think of a lace weight yarn mm. for a lace shawl. Mm. If you wanted to go for something really intricate, just how it well you'd sort of if it would show off that yeah. detail. Maybe Wick Lane from the issue one reboot of Pom Pom. Well, exactly. I think that'd be fun. <gasps> that would be lovely. Yeah, because it would have yeah because the because Wick Lane is so like silky mm. and like cascadey, um, and this would just be like a slightly different, slightly yeah. more kind of rustic version of it, basically, yeah. but still with that lovely drapey silk. Yeah. So we're pretty excited about this, mm -hmm. uh, as you can tell. And maybe you are too. And just to uh, boost your excitement <laughs> levels, we uh, have a little giveaway courtesy of Blacker. Yay! So you can win three skeins of the Samite in any colour you choose. Ooh. Have a little browse on their website and uh, enjoy the decadence of some of those 19th century literature names. <laughs> um, yeah, so head to the Pom Pom blog where we'll have how you can enter. Also, mm -hmm. we'll have all the show notes, um, all the info that we talk about on this uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. Some fun pictures. You know, it's all it's all good. It's all good. It's a place to be. <laughs> uh, which is pompommag.com forward slash podcast. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, cool. Well, I guess that's more or less all we've got for short rows. Yeah. But just a quick reminder... Uh, that we would love your suggestions for top three topics. We've already had some very good suggestions on the Ravelry forum, um, but you can always email them to us, podcast at pompommag.com. You know, what things would you like to hear us list or what other uh, segments would you like us to bring back? Or if you have any other ideas or comments, we're always open to hearing them. Or if you just want to say hi. Yeah, we, lo we love that too, yes. That's our favourite. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see you uh, at the end of the month still um, for our regular... Big old podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Being a better size than full length edition. Full length yeah. edition. Big, full, old, big old, big old, big old podcast. Just a row. Just a full row. Yeah, full project. <laughs> cool. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Podcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for this show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly, and also thanks to lovely Amy and Gail. Thanks to our interviewee Sonia Bajalovska and our sponsors Blacker Yarns, and of course a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers and listeners. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop, pompommag.com forward slash shop. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com and don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum. <laughs>